This is Central Indiana Today with your host, Nicole Kendall, on WYRZ. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. I am your host, Nicole Kendall, and I have the pleasure tonight to be speaking with three awesome representatives of Bridges of Hope, an alcohol and drug addiction center in Anderson, Indiana. Tonight, I have Beverly Jenkins, Charles Abbott, and Christy Dunnigan here with me. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. We are so happy to have you here and to share your mission of all of the great work you're doing, not only in Anderson, but you're helping people throughout the state. And we're going to talk about that. So um, let's start with you first, Christy. Give us some information on your mission of Bridges of Hope. Our mission is to get out and get the word out about Bridges has only been open one year. Actually, we celebrated one year anniversary yesterday. Oh, very so, good. um, you know, we're still new in the in the treatment treatment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're out there and uh, knocking on doors, letting people know, and you know, so we can be a great resource for other facilities as well. Now, I understand you help in the whole state, really. I know you're out and about a lot talking about prevention. Tell us about your job and what you do for Bridges of Hope. Well, I am their their business development. Um, I go out and promote Bridges of Hope. How how our treatment facility is run? Um, what about who's who our you know who our physicians are and how our programs are run and what programs we have? So I work with like um, different companies out there. Their EPAs reps. We've we've met with them and talked with them. Um, other treatment facilities because you know we all need to work together. We're all great sure. resource for each other. Um, also, we go out to chamber events, um, different community events. I know. That's how I met Beverly Jenkins, and she's here today as well. And we started to talk about the Bridges of Hope at the Plainfield Chamber of Commerce not too long ago. And I really felt right now with the opioid crisis we have going on, addiction is a real, real problem now more than ever. And so I I appreciate Beverly uh, getting us all connected here so that we can have this conversation today. So thank you, Beverly, for being here. You're welcome. Now, Beverly, tell us a little bit about uh, what area of the state you work in and why you like working for Bridges of Hope. My focus is the Hendricks County area along with the west side of um, Marion County. And I love Bridges of Hope because they are a dual diagnosis treatment center, which means they treat the underlying illnesses that may cause addictions as well as um, the addiction itself. And we're poly um, substance, which means we treat more than one addiction at a time. Sure. So, um, and they've got a great facility up in Anderson. And we do provide transportation statewide. So even though it's an hour and a half away from Indy, I mean, we'll come pick the people up and make sure that they can get in. Yes, that's a wonderful thing to touch base on. And I'm glad you did it so early in the program because really you offer so many great things at Bridges of Hope. But you don't want the transportation to get in the way of what the help that someone truly needs. So that's such a great perk that they offer that or you offer that. So thank you for sharing that, Beverly. Now, Charles Abbott, we have you here today as well. And I know you're a nurse. You have a background in mental uh, uh, mental health and addiction since 1995. Tell us a little bit about what you do day to day with Bridges of Hope. 
Well, I actually cover a lot of areas, but as the quality assurance director, my primary responsibility is to make sure that our policies and procedures are um, detailed in our daily practices. So making sure that staffing's where it's supposed to be, um, if need be, helping transport though, coordinate that transportation element, and just overall making sure that the facility is ready to go when anybody walks in the door. Absolutely. Now, I understand Bridges of Hope has... uh, a clinical multidisciplinary approach uh, consisting of assessment and identification of all underlying issues. Now, I know in your job as a nurse, you're probably out there uh, helping them fight those underlying causes. Tell us about that journey of what that looks like when you're looking for what's the, what's the underlying cause. How do you find out about that? Well, initially it starts with a phone conversation. In the initial phone conversation, we gather information um, on what the client's substance of choices are mm-hmm. and also what other substances they've used. So that gives us an understanding. Then we look at their um, socioeconomic background, what they can afford. If in the event that they are having struggling with the payments, we use insurance, those kind of things. But making sure that all that's taken care of and then making sure the clinical staff do a biopsychosocial, and that's three elements, the biography, their social background, and their psychology background. So that way we have a... Everybody gets an individual treatment plan because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Most people might think, oh, well, if it's heroin, everybody looks the same, but it does not look the same because there's, it's individual. Sure. It could depend on how long they've been on the drug or they're, yeah, everyone has a different situation, right? So it's nice that you customize the treatment, it sounds like. Now... Oh, please. And, oh, also, part of that element is is we have a clinical background, but also we have a medical director that makes sure they take care of all the medical needs, and we have a psychiatric nurse practitioner that comes in a few times a week, once again, to cushion that, because once we get through the withdrawal piece, then we're starting to find the underlying piece, so that way we want everybody on board to handle whatever issues that the individual may have. That sounds like a very sensible approach. Thank you for sharing that with me, Charles. Now, I understand Bridges of Hope has a belief that recovery is possible for everyone, right? Tell us about that. Well, of course it is because... A lot of times if people just realize that, well, the, we talked about earlier, kind of mentioned before we went on air, mm-hmm. is the fear of coming into treatment. Yes. And there's a statement that I always think that is the scariest but also the most liberating, and that is, I have a substance abuse issue. And then that's the first step. Just recognizing that, right? Yeah. Because anytime we have to step, step outside our social norm, we're identified somewhere outside that social norm. It's uncomfortable anyway, regardless of what it is. But with all the education, awareness, and everything that's going on today, it's no surprise. And it's nothing to be afraid of because the world recognizes that. It's a worldwide problem. And you're not alone. Absolutely. Well, that kind of leads me to a question I was going to ask a little bit later on, but it makes sense to ask you right now. What advice would you give to someone, because you've seen this day in and day out for so many years, what advice would you give someone who is afraid of that first step? Well, it may seem simple, but just simply, there's nothing really to be afraid of. You know, it's more of an internal battle. And once you come to that realization, the fear will melt away. And then once you step into treatment and start making those phone calls and having those conversations, you're going to find a familiar familiarity with so many things because so many people working in addictions are in recovery themselves. Okay. So they have, a, they have a great way to identify that. And once again, to ease your conscience and your nerves about whatever might go on. And like Christy touched on, we have representatives and union workers and representatives that are asking us to come in and talk directly to their staff to take away that fear because mm-hmm. you can imagine you, you go to an event and there we sit 
dual diagnosis, substance abuse, and we're sure. at your place of employment, that, there is a certain amount of fear that goes along with that. But just know we were invited there because your company already recognizes that there's an issue mm-hmm. and that we're just there to help. And there's no judgment right. for the most part, you know, and it's just you don't really have anything to really be afraid of. Well, that's you know, good to know. Just come, just, you know, talk about it. Yeah. It can be a scary thought, though, right, when you're not used to it. Go ahead, Christy. No, it is a scary thought. You're right. Um, I think people don't realize that they think if they, if they, if they take that step out, people, they're going to be um, kind of like a shame. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure, Because, sure. you know, oh, everybody thinks I'm an addict now because I do have a problem. And this is in, an, this is in a, you know, in a, a work situation, a workplace situation. Okay. Um, it just takes a phone call. Our phones are answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's a person that answers that phone, and so it doesn't go to a machine. Oh, that's very So they beneficial. can talk them to, through that just to get that initial. And I think what people have to realize, it has to be the addict who wants to get help. Right. It can't be a family member. It can't be an employer. It has to be that addict who really wants to get help. Well, that's a fantastic point, which was going to lead me to my next question. So it's, it's appropriate that you said it that way in this time period. Um, what advice can you give someone? I know we were talking, um, Christy, you and I were talking before we went on the air. We were talking about how most of us know someone who has struggled with some kind of addiction problem. And it's very painful, not only for the person who's struggling, but for their family members and their friends, people who care about them. So what would you say? say to someone that maybe is a caregiver or a family member of someone who's struggling and they want to help this individual who's having a problem? I would say look at look out in your community, see if there's a PAL group or a non-non group. These are families and friends of addicts. They're going through the same exact thing that you're going through and they can help you through that because there is such thing as called enabling. You can enable that addict by giving them the money, giving them a place to live. Right. So I think there are so many more support groups that are p- popping up. And there are some here in Hendricks County, and they've got some great groups in this area. And I'm sure if they're wanting to get involved and they can't find those related groups, maybe we'll give your contact information at the end Absolutely. if they wanted to reach out yeah, to you directly. they can reach out to me directly, and I can get them hooked up. That would be fantastic. It's all about resources and getting people connected to the right help, right? And we're all in this together. Absolutely. It's not one against the other. We all have to work together to see it, to see it progress made that's how you make change absolutely right sure charles you wanted to say something please also add to that is is another vital great resource for people for that are dealing with family members that are addicted is also other family members so much of the time we hide that from our other family members we're like we go to family dinners and we do those kind of things and then you know we don't let anybody else know and there's a lot of people that once again we're all in this together so don't be afraid to share with people and we know in our families who we can trust and those kind of things but don't go it alone. I've seen too many families wash up on the shore, if you will, on trying to help their children and their family, you know, and they enable them. All money gone. Uh, you know, they end up in psychiatric facilities because depression, anxiety, fear sets in with them. And then with that enabling also comes a lot of manipulation. You know, you're trying to help them, and then they're manipulating you. You know, one story in in particular that I always remember is there was an addict that I took care of once, and he and his the person that was selling him the substances got together and decided that they would run into his elderly grandparents' house in the middle of the night and say posed as though I will shoot him if you don't give me this money and they oh, cleared out their grandparents um, bank account because in the middle they were of the night. so desperate yes that's the, the level of desperation and then it might have helped if the grandparents probably knew that the their grandchild was suffering from addiction mm-hmm. so they could take the safeguards sure so that's just one of many stories that happen 
Yeah, that's incredibly sad that that does happen, and I have no doubt you see that more times than you'd like. That is that is for sure, right? Yes. That that's something that's very common that people are so desperate that they uh, that they go to those kind of measures. Well, let's talk a little bit about rehab since we're talking about getting people better and getting people whole again. That rehab is a journey; it is not necessarily a destination, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. It's more than just staying sober, right? Tell us about that. Anyone that wants to chime in there, feel free. Well, let's just start with the 12 steps. Sure. You know, it's not you get to tw- step 12 and you're cured. You know, it's a process. And through that process, step one's admitting, you know, moving on down the line. But as you go through that process, just one of many processes, you just take your time and it's going to teach you more about yourself, you know, on where you are and, what, you know, how to get better. And then once again, that's words to live by once you get into sobriety because if you were in that sobriety circle they constantly refer back to the big book going back to that those 12 steps so that's one of the big biggest things that you could possibly do is start working that area that makes sense now beverly i'm going to ask you we were talking earlier before we got on the air about the employee assistance programs and that you're looking for more businesses who will partner with bridges of hope to help uh, get more people involved and get them the help they need how do they do that Yes, they could just call us and we'll set up a tour. Or if they um, want to come up to the facility, we'd provide um, that at any time. Like Chuck said, or Charles said, that we have uh, staff there every day that could provide a tour, as well as go out to their facility and um, do a um, 15 minute presentation on what Bridges of Hope um, offers. And we want the employees to know that we're not there um, accusing them of having a problem, but we're there to get the word out so that they could take that back to family and friends and pass that information forward because um, that's important. I've seen it, you know, with um, several situations that I've run across where um, people are struggling. Um, They don't want other people to know that they are having this issue in their family And um, another thing is, you know, once you get clean, you know, that might take uh, two weeks to 30 days or something to get get clean. But if I could just focus on that long-term therapy with the other underlying conditions, because a lot of times that's where I I, um, see people that they think, well, I've I've finished this program now. I don't have to follow up with long-term events or therapy with other, other groups. Sure. It's not just over. Right, after no, that. Absolutely, no. that makes sense. Well, let's talk a little bit about how long treatment can last. Now, I know, Charles, you've indicated, and it makes sense, depending on someone's situation of how long someone could be with you, whether it be inpatient or outpatient. But the word inpatient, that's a scary word sometimes, isn't yes. it? It makes you feel hospitalized. It makes you feel sick when you hear the word inpatient. So let's talk about that. Let's break that down a little bit. What can someone truly expect if they're in an inpatient environment at Bridges of Hope? First and foremost... Think of it as a safe environment. It's a total safe environment. It's where no matter what is occurring or what you're thinking or what is happening to you, it's a safe zone where you have access to medical care and psychiatric care and counseling. And even with our behavioral health techs, a lot of them also are in recovery. So there's that identifying piece as well. Mm-hmm. So, And one thing is I'm going to say about Bridges, the hope that separates us, I guess, from other facilities no locked facilities. We don't have a locked unit. It's a big house that sits on a lake, and the rooms might be divided up by program. Now, keeping in mind that at Bridges of Hope 2, it's the progression of, say, you come into detox. 
you come into detox, you make sure that you're medically sta- we make sure you're medically stable. Sure. But that planning automatically is taking place for what the next step is, which would be for us residential treatment, which okay. is a longer, more extent. It's a little more longer stay, mm-hmm. but once again, it's individual. That's where the individual treatment plan comes in. Okay. Then we move you toward outpatient and intensive outpatient, but also Bridges of Hope offers a transitional housing element. Okay. So it's co- and everything is co-ed. So just so everybody knows, everybody's welcome. Sure. And we make sure that we keep things separated and keep the issues um, separated. But like our transitional housing unit, we actually bought a motel, and behind the motel is five brick cottages. So that's an additional twenty-nine beds. So when we say um, independent living, that's where we keep you start winning in back into the community. You start working. You get your sponsors. We have staff there once again to support you. So that's what it looks like. And I know stepping into a facility, I've heard it a million times. I'm afraid to come. I'm afraid to do those kind of things because we talk about. Um, when we're out in active addiction, sometimes we're with our friends and family that we grew up with. That's who we're. That's who our active addictive circle is. Right. So we have to step away, and that is very scary. But I don't want people to be afraid of that separation because once you step out of that and you get a little healthier and you look back at that, you start analyzing it and looking at it so much differently sure. on what's healthy and so many people are might be socially awkward that maybe that's what got him into that they weren't doing they didn't do well making friends so now i've made these new friends they've introduced me to these elements these substances this is kind of where i belong mm-hmm. but for those that are listening i just want you to know that there's a whole different family because there's conventions there are bullying events there's movie nights you know in the smaller towns um People in active addiction or in active recovery, they're renting out the local theaters and they're having theater night. Yeah, you know, and they get to pick the movie. That's the beautiful thing about (laughs) it. Most of us, we go and we have to. We can. We got several movies to pick from, but man, we get to actually pick what's going to be on the big screen. Oh, that's nice. So there's so many things that's going on, and you can find this family and you know feel to it and you don't, you're not really giving up anything and then the elements themselves on the street heroin's called the boy and then crystal meth is tina so they personalize this so sometimes in treatment they actually have to write a goodbye letter to tina and the boy and all that as well mm-hmm. to make it physically yeah. you're, you have a physical representation of saying goodbye to it absolutely right i can see how powerful that can be and and it sounds like your goal is to not only we're talking about this rehab is a journey it's not a destination you're wanting them to be happy and live a fulfilled life and uh and have healthy relationships right and you're showing them how to do that at bridges of hope so that's very encouraging and i hope it's very homey when you walk through the door well that's good Um, we've had other people that came in and tour and they said wow this is really nice they was not even they were surprised when they walked in they have queen size beds i mean so they have and the rooms are pretty good size it doesn't look like a it doesn't look like a hospital setting i mean they have their own separate lounges you know because we have detox there as well right so it's and i brought many tours through and they're just like this is i could come here for a retreat myself well that helps yeah that certainly helps ease their mind a little bit right i could see that it could now we've talked about inpatient what does an outpatient day look like if you have transportation throughout the state maybe you have someone who is um in their journey but they only need outpatient help that's available as well correct Yes, outpatient, well, intensive outpatient, there's intensive outpatient, then there's outpatient, but intensive outpatient is nine hours a week. Okay. It's usually three hours a day or three hours or in the evening because we have a day and evening times classes a week. and okay. they go three times a week. 
Yes. Okay, so they just come in and have seminars and individual one-on-one help. What's that look like? Both. They okay. well, they have group where they all get together and they talk. Then okay. they have individual group, uh, individual uh, therapy sessions as well, and then with an assigned counselor. Okay. Now, does insurance usually cover treatments if it's inpatient or outpatient? It varies. Okay. Each each insurance policy is completely different. When I'm finding that because I'm working more with the insurance side as well. Okay. On the verification benefits of it. Um, and since we are such a new facility, we're not quite in network with all the insurance companies, but we're getting there. Sure. So it's on a case-by-case basis. We can call the insurance company and explain the situation to them, and it can we can get them treatment. Okay. And what about if someone doesn't have health insurance? What what What's that look and like And we, we come across that. We do have a few scholarships, but we, you know, we do a sliding scale as well. Um, and if we can't... If we can't take care of them, we have a resource that we can get them out to. Okay. So we're going to make sure one way or another they're going to get to treatment. That's what matters. Right. Right. That's what matters. Now, Beverly, let's talk a little bit about how you became involved in Bridges of Hope and why you love being a part of the organization. And let's talk a little bit about what, what do you get out of being a part of this organization? Well, I came on board in October um, after uh, working with a medical software company um, that was designing software for treatment centers. So that's how I got involved with substance abuse treatment. And um, Charles went to work there, and he invited us up to come and do business development. And um, this isn't something that I do full-time, but it's a passion. I've I've, um, seen it personally. Um, where people need help and there were either no beds available in the state or they had to go out of the state and then come back with no follow-up treatment, no groups that they they could get involved with. And so this is more giving back to the community for me. I think that's wonderful. And you touched on a very important point. If If there's not a full circle of help around you, you could fall through the cracks and end up right back where you were before, right? So I could see how that could be a major issue. Christy, how about yourself? What keeps you motivated to stay on board with Bridges of Hope? What do you, uh, where do you find that passion to stay so involved? Well, my background is prevention. I've been in prevention for 15 years um, in Morgan County. Um, Mm -hmm. Started a lot of great programs. We did a lot of great things in Morgan County. Uh, Then I got involved with the Indiana Attorney Attorney General's Prescription Drug Task Force. I volunteered for there for four years, and then they turned around and hired me for a year and a half as their outreach coordinator for the state of Indiana. Okay. So I traveled everywhere in the state and outside of states to do presentations, to talk about the opiate crisis, that what's going on. Um, and I was still dabbling in treatment on the side because I know, from my perspective, family members that who needed treatment, we couldn't find treatment. Mm-hmm. So I started really putting a treatment piece together for our county resources for them. Um, and then Charles calls and asks if I'd be interested after I left the AG's office yeah. to come work for business development. And I've always wanted to get, I give back a lot in our community, but I'm very involved. I'm, my passion is making sure everybody gets with the help that they need, right. that they're not there alone. I get phone calls one, two o'clock in the morning from parents or from addicts yeah. and I'll sit for hours and talk with them on the phone. Yeah, I wow. work real close with law enforcement. Okay. Um, they'll call me and say, Hey, we're on the way to the hospital. Can you help us out here? Well, that is that sounds like a great partnership because they're coming across people who are struggling. They and are, and we're starting to reach out help. more to the court systems as well instead of sending them to jail, possibly get them into treatment. Right. So. That makes sense. Well, Charles, I'm going to ask you the same question. I know you're so experienced in this area as well since you've been uh, doing this since 1995. But what is it about Bridges of Hope? Why Why are you so passionate? What What high, What's uh, your underlying passion there? Tell us about that. So many addiction treatment centers 
offer just that substance abuse and the mental health element and treatment isn't present and they struggle because the mental health facilities are so bogged down with caseloads. Sure. And with Bridges of Hope, we can do it all. We can everything that a client would need with between our medical director, which is very experienced in this field, mm-hmm. our psychiatric nurse practitioner, our therapist, those kind of things. So that's what really made me really like Bridges of Hope. I go back to and just a quick, because I always like to give my mentor, my original mentor, God rest her soul, was Francis Freeland. And I came out of nursing school. And I remember my first intakes when I would do that. Um, and I worked for the Salvation Army at that point. Okay. But when I would sit with people and they would, in nursing school, they teach you two pills, one or two pills every six hours. If you step outside that, you're going to kill your patient. Okay. Now, you know, I'm sitting down across from somebody that's this tiny little person and they're telling me they're taking 30 to 40 Vicodin a day. Unbelievable. In my head, I'm like, no, you're not because this instructor said you would die. They didn't talk to us about tolerance. So Frances Freeland, she sat me down and she talked to me how the progression of drug and alcohol addiction. And the more she talked, the more interested that I became. Mm -hmm. And so I worked as a staff nurse there for five years. Then I went to work in mental um, adolescent psych. I started seeing the children of the people that I had treated in addiction. Oh, man. And I started realizing this is a terrible circle. Yeah. And then, you know, then I got back, you know, then I got offered a call back from an addictions treatment center. Hey, we need someone to manage this detox unit. I did that. And then I wanted to branch out. And so I ended up at Bridges of Hope. And once I went in and I found out they had the mental health piece on site, we didn't have a locked facility. We actually have art therapy, a big gym, and you know all the stuff. It's amazing because some people, we sit on a lake, a small mm-hmm. lake, and the number of people that I've, that things I take for granted like fishing, the right. number of people that have spent their whole life submerged in this horrible cycle, you know, they're 19 or 20 years old, and the first time they catch a fish. Yeah. It's amazing. They're enjoying life again, aren't they? Because it, it breaks the cycle of anxiety because yeah. it's an electric current. So when they do that, that breaks that cycle long enough to let information in. Right. And so that's when they start realizing, oh, my goodness, you know, and then some sadness and depression comes in because now they're like, oh, my God, they start thinking of all the things that they have done during active addiction and it's our responsibility to cushion that mm-hmm. let's not think about just try not to think about this right now let's just think about today and that you're making good choices today yes so Very that's what good. keeps me engaged oh i imagine it certainly does that's so great to hear your stories thank you all for sharing that with us we're going to take a quick break and i'll be back on the air in just a few moments with these wonderful representatives from bridges of hope beverly jenkins charles abbott and christy dunnigan i'll be back on the air in just a moment. Stay tuned. The new Plainfield UPS is now hiring part-time package handlers for three different shifts, morning, evening, and late night. A weekly retention bonus, pension, benefits, and college tuition reimbursements are available for part-time UPS employees. More information on available positions, online applications, and scheduling an interview can be found at www.upsjobs.com.
We are back on the air for Central Indiana today on WYRZ. Nicole Kendall here. And as we're wrapping up tonight's program for Bridges of Hope, the Alcohol and Drug Addiction Center in Anderson, we have a few more things we're going to share with you. Um, I understand we mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, in tonight's program that your organization offers tours. Beverly, tell us about the tour opportunities and who may uh, be able to come in and check out the facility. We've actually provided tours for other treatment facilities that may need extra beds. Um, employers looking to place their employees in, in treatment, as well as family members have come in and um, um, they're, they're touring other facilities and deciding which one might be the better fit for their family. Okay. All right. Super. And Charles, uh, tell us about the location of where is this uh, facility? We're located at 2200 Madison Square in Anderson, um, but I will say if you're going to use your GPS, one of the best way to do it is just write, type in Bridges of Hope in Anderson because the address, it's we're kind of in a precarious kind of situation where sure. way we fit back. But Hard to find. A good landmark is Community Hospital. Okay. You know, we're just around the corner from Community Hospital, but if you're looking for us, GPS, Bridges of Hope in Anderson. Very good. Thanks, Charles. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about Beverly Jenkins. She is the um, business development coordinator, I'll call her, uh, in Hendricks County, West Boone and Marion, right? West Marion and Boone, excuse me. Um, so if you're looking for information uh, for Bridges of Hope and you live in those areas, you'll probably talk with Beverly. And in the rest of the state, you'll probably talk to Christy, right? And instead of giving out so many phone numbers and everything, we're going to give them one phone number for the facility. So Christy, if you'll give that and then they can get you um, in touch with these nice folks if you are interested. Okay. Yeah. You can read, I'm going to give you my cell phone number. That way Perfect. we can just set it up. It'd be easier that way. And it's, if they need to talk to Beverly, the old transfer I can, them I can to get Beverly, wherever so. they need to go. Perfect. It's 765-620-8744. Okay. Very good. And the website is uh, www. It is behoperehab.com. BeHopeRehab.com. Okay, you've just heard it. Thank you so much, Beverly Jenkins, Charles Abbott, and Christy Dunnigan from Bridges of Hope Alcohol and Drug Addiction Center in Anderson. Thank you so much for being on the program tonight and being a part of Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. You've been listening to Central Indiana Today with your host, Nicole Kendall on WYRZ.